usually my shia consists of ideas, thoughts, concepts. I don't often, I don't really tell stories. That's not what I do. I'm an idea man, concept man. I try to explain, you know, uh, especially in the, in the last many shuram, the whole concept of a messianic process, a divine plan, and how the current events fits into it, and also many other ideas. So I don't usually talk about any kind of stories. However, tonight I'm going to make an exception. Tonight I want to talk and I want to mention and, and uh, a, a, what I feel is a tremendous story which I'm going to read to you and then I'm going to also interpret it as I read, which I feel is a remarkable story. And it's going to illustrate what I've been saying a long time, the uh, true identity of the United States, the true relationship that the U.S. has with the Jews. And from that, we can see what will happen. The name of this story is the Hanukkah candle that inspired George Washington. Apparently, it's a true story. That's what it says, you know, uh, that really happened. <clears throat> but it's a remarkable story. And I think it, uh, it's a tremendously inspirational story. Mm. In fact, I think it will be great as a story to read in front of the entire Congress. But anyway, <clears throat> here goes. <clears throat> It was Hanukkah in 1775, which is the year 5,537. And here goes the story. <clears throat> and I'm going to comment on this. A difficult winter, <clears throat> terrible cold. We are sitting in Valley Forge and waiting. And we know what Valley Forge was, of course. It was uh, one of the places that George Washington was stuck in, so to speak, before he fought the British. <clears throat> Why? I don't know. Now, this is being written by a Jewish person who was in the army of George Washington uh, at Valley Forge. <clears throat> and he says, Why? I don't know. Why we were, why we're sitting. I don't know. Perhaps for better, for better days than these, I am I'm the only Jew here. Perhaps there are other Jews among us, but I haven't seen any. We hunger for bread. We have no warm clothing or shoes to protect our feet. Most of the soldiers curse George Washington for going to war against Britain. I mean, you can imagine what this is. It's dark, freezing. They don't have any shoes. They're freezing because there's no warm clothing. I mean, could you imagine a situation like this? <clears throat> there are those who hope for his downfall, but I believe that his cause is just. That is, George Washington's cause is just. We must expel Britain from America. She wants to put her hands in everything her eye sees. Although we are suffering here terribly, I am loyal with all my heart to George Washington. More than once I see him at night, passing through the camp between the rows of sleeping soldiers. I mean, just picture that, you know, I think George Washington was a tall man. Imagine he's walking amongst his soldiers and they're sleeping. 
He gazes with compassion upon the soldiers who are suffering from the cold, because it was freezing. And sometimes he approaches one of the sleeping soldiers and covers him as a father would cover his son. And that's a display of compassion, Rachmanus, as they say, you know. <clears throat> there are times when the hunger and the freezing cold torture me to death. So we can begin to imagine what type of uh, uh, climate, cold weather it was. But I don't curse General Washington, who is fighting for the freedom of America. At moments like this, I think of my father in Poland. That's what he's saying. I think about all that he suffers at the hands of the cruel Poritz. Now, Poritz was a lord in, in Poland. He was the lord of the, of, the, of the manor, so to speak. He owned the town, he owned the fields, and everybody had to, you know, give him loyalty and allegiance and so on. And he was the real person who controlled everything. He was the government, so to speak. I remember I was a child then, when he was in Poland with the Porets and his father, and I saw my father dancing before the Porets, degraded, disgraced. Oh, what an awful thing to see. My father was wearing the skin of a polar bear and danced like a bear before the Porets and his guests. Yeah, and they were laughing. It was mockery. That's really what it was. Because that was the situation of the Jews in Poland. He continues, what terrible pain, what great shame. My father dancing like a bear and the Poritzim, means all the, uh, the Poritz, the lord of the manor and so on, and all his cronies, uh, laughing and rejoicing at the sight, at the tremendous shame and degradation of this Jew. I decided then and there I will never dance like my father before the poets. Afterwards, I escaped to America. <clears throat> so this Jew escaped to America. Why? <clears throat> because he could not tolerate the gullus, the exile of the Jews. Because the exile of the Jews at that point was terrible shame and de degradation and disgrace. He continues. And now I am lying in Valley Forge and shivering from the cold. Obviously, he joined, he joined George Washington's army. So he's in Valley Forge and he's shivering. He continues, they say that Washington is losing. He was. And that he can't win this war. But I don't believe all that. All that I lie, but I don't believe all that. I lie at night and pray for him. Which is interesting. Washington is losing. I mean, we're talking about the British. Britain at that point in time was a tremendous empire, you see. And he doesn't believe that they're going to win. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a bunch of uh, people fighting against a mighty empire. But he lies at night and he prays for George Washington, which in many ways is very significant, as I will point out. <clears throat> now, the first night of Hanukkah arrives. Imagine that. And that means it has to be December. Chofhei Kislev. So we're looking here about the middle of December. So it must be freezing. So he says the first night of Hanukkah arrives. On this night, years ago, on that night of Hanukkah, I left my father's house. My father gave us this Hanukkah menorah and said to me, 
while he was when, while he was leaving. My son, when you light the Hanukkah candles, they will illuminate the way for you. Which he's saying to him, don't forget, you're Jewish. Always light the Hanukkah light, and somehow they will show you, they will illuminate the way for you. It's interesting. Uh, which means never forget you're Jewish, and that you have to do the mitzvahs. Uh, since then, he says, uh, the menorah has been like a charm for me. Wherever I go, I take it with me. Reminds me who I am. I don't know what to do. To light the Hanukkah candles here, among the goyim, or not. Because remember, the whole army is basically goyim, right? So he doesn't know what should he do. He should light the Hanukkah candles among the goyim. They're going to look at him, maybe they'll laugh at him, whatever. I decided to wait until they were all asleep. And then I took out my father's menorah, I made the brocha, and lit the first candle. Imagine. We, we don't understand the merit of what that means. I mean, it's freezing, it's night, it's freezing. The guy has no shoes, hardly has any clothing to, to hold back the cold and keep himself warm, right? He's a Mongolian, so maybe he's afraid that he will be embarrassed, you see? And not only that, he's in America. He's the only Jew, you know? He's not assimilated, you see? Yet he is goiver. He strengthens himself and says, I'm Jewish, I'm going to light the Hanukkah light. That's what he says. Uh, so he said, I made the bracha. So obviously he's a frumma guy, religious Jew, and lit the first candle. <clears throat> I gazed at the light and remembered my parents' home. Interesting. I saw my father dancing like a bear before the porridge. And I saw my mother's eyes filled with tears because she realized the terrible degradation and disgrace of a Jew in a costume of a bear dancing before the Lord of the man of the parrots, and they're all laughing. <clears throat> my heart was filled with pain, he says, and I burst out crying like a small child. Why? Because he's saying that I felt the terrible pain of the gullus, of the exile. This is what the Jews are in. Imagine what kind of exile that is. So while he's lighting the, the Hanukkah menorah and he's gazing at it after he lit it, he remembers this, you see. Now we know something very important, that the Hanukkah is really in many ways a tremendous rededication of the Jewish people to the Avodah, to the base Hamikdash, because we know uh, they had fought off the Greeks, right? And as a result of that, the victory, they approached the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, and uh, they found oil burnt for one night. That's what it was supposed to. But a miracle happened, and it burned for eight days, you see. But the essential idea of the Hanukkah, at least one of the essential ideas, because it has many, is that the Jews are rededicating themselves to God. That's what it's all about. So uh, he burst out crying like a small child because he remembered his father's situation. And he continues, and I decided in my heart as I was gazing at the Hanukkah lights that for the sake of my father and mother, 
for my brothers and sisters in Poland that he left behind. He says, I must help George Washington make America a free country, you see, which basically means a land of freedom and liberty. A land of refuge for my parents and brothers who are subjected to the cruelty of the pirates, the enormous disgrace. So it's bad enough that the Jews are in Golis, which is very difficult then for them to survive with so much anti-Semitism. But they have to be degraded and disgraced and shamed. So that's what he says, that his resolve to help George Washington at Valley Forge, right, was strengthened because he wants to make America a free country. Why? You see, not just for himself, but for all the Jews in the European countries, you see. Now, this is the story so far. Now comes the incredible continuation. Suddenly, this Jew says, I felt a gentle hand touching my head. I lifted my eyes, and it was he. He himself was standing over me. Who? George Washington. For some reason, George Washington saw him crying. So he was standing over me. So that's what he's saying. He felt a gentle hand touching my head. I lifted my eyes, and it was he, George Washington himself. He himself was standing over me, and he asked, why are you crying, soldier? Are you cold? Interesting. There's the compassion of this man, you see. How many generals are cold-hearted? Hey, your job is to, you know, take the orders. But obviously, Washington was not that type of person. We begin to see in many ways, although most people don't recognize that, the greatness of this man. So he says, why are you crying, soldier? Are you cold? He continues, pain and compassion were in his voice. That's what he says. I couldn't bear to see him suffer. So the Jew is saying that I see George Washington is suffering. Why? Because I'm suffering and I'm crying. I jumped up, the man says, the Jew says. I, I forgot that I was a soldier standing before a general and said what came from my heart, like a son speaking to his father. So picture this, you have George Washington, the general of the United States Army, fighting the British, a losing battle, right? And you have this Jew who just lit a Hanukkah light, right? Who's just one of the regular soldiers in the army. Right? He's now standing face to face with George Washington, which is a very interesting idea, as you will see. Because remember one thing a Jew is greater than a general. A Jew can rectify creation. And even though this Jew did not understand it, what the Hashkofa of a Jew is, nevertheless, he acted upon that concept. He stood up in front of Washington, you know. Now, I don't know if he saluted or not, he doesn't say, but he stood in front of George Washington as if he was an equal, and he told him what's in his heart. What did he say? He said, what does the Jew say? The Jew said the following, George Wa General Washington, I said, I am crying and praying for your victory. It's amazing. 
he said, I'm not crying because I'm freezing, because I think I may die tomorrow when we fight the British. He's not crying for himself. He says, I am crying and praying for your victory. That's what he says. It's a very important idea. In other words, what we see is the Jew is crying for Washington, the army, the victory, and the future of the United States. Interesting. But we don't know what the koyach is, as we will see, what the power of that is. And I know that with the help of God, we will win. It's unbelievable. He says, we will win. It's interesting. What does that mean, we will win? You know, <clears throat> today they are strong, which is the British, but tomorrow they will fall because justice is with us. We want to be free in this land. We want to build a home here for all those who flee from the hands of the pirates, for all who suffer across the ocean. In other words, I am hoping you win, not only for us personally, but for all those people that need America, for the liberty, the justice, the freedom of what America can offer, all the people who suffer. That's what he says. The Paritsum, he continues, will not rule over us. They will fall and you will rise. He's saying that to Washington. It's amazing that a Jew is talking to General Washington, one of the greatest Americans who ever lived. In fact, he was so great, they wanted to make him a king, but he refused. Shows who he was, you see. And he's saying, they're not going to rule over us. It means the British. They will fall and you will rise. It's a nevuah. He didn't say maybe, you will rise. General Washington, he continues, pressed my hand. Interesting. Somehow he did something for Washington. You know, when we think about that, who knows what Washington was thinking about? He understood the odds. The odds that they were finished. I mean, half his army, right? They're helpless in many ways. No clothing, no shoes, no nothing. And they're going to find, find uh, they're going to fight a, a, a well-seasoned, battle-hardened enemy called the British. I'm sure Washington was saying to himself, only a miracle can save us. And I'm sure in many ways he was dejected. It's only human. Thank you, soldier, he said. So George Washington said to the soldier, thank you. So then it says, he sat next to me on the ground in front of the menorah. That obviously Washington was so moved. Look, this is the general. He's got a big army there. The last thing he needs is was sitting down next to this Jew with this menorah. But he said, this Jew, that he sat next to me on the ground in front of the menorah. Interesting. And then Washington said something incredible. What is this candlestick, he asked. He also noticed, he noticed the menorah. And the menorah had the candle, you know. It was lit because it was the first night. So Washington asked the Jew, what is this? So I told him, <clears throat> I brought it from my father's house, right? The Jews all over the world light candles tonight on Hanukkah, the holiday of the great miracle, you see. 
then he says something remarkable, the Jew. What did it do to Washington? What was the miracle? I'm sure the Jew explained to him what the miracle was. So then it says, the Hanukkah candles lit up Washington's eyes. Lit it up. Something happened in Washington when he told them that this light represents, it is the light of tremendous freedom. But it's not just a freedom where you could do what you want. It's a freedom really from tremendous oppression, gullus, from those people that would enslave you and prevent you from doing what you find that has meaning in life. That's what he told Washington. So it says the Hanukkah candles lit up Washington's eyes. And he asked joyfully, and he made an incredible statement. This is George Washington. You are a Jew from the nation of prophets. Amazing. You're a Jew, and what's your yichus? That you come from the Vim prophets, and you say we will be victorious? It's amazing. What Washington was saying to this guy is that, you know, you come from a nation of Nevi'im, prophets, who are greater than Nevi'im, right? So obviously what you say, you have the yichus, the lineage of prophets. What you say may be right. You say we will be victorious? Words, is this true, right? So the Jew says, yes, sir. I answered with conviction. That means what he was saying to him, yes, you will be victorious, right? I am saying this in the name of my ancestors, who are all Nevi'im, and the Novi is one of the greatest people in spirituality and close to God. <clears throat> we will win, he continues, just like the Maccabees won for ourselves, and for all those who come here after us to build a new land and new lives. <clears throat> what you're doing is not just for ourselves. It's for everybody that needs a refuge. They need a Yeshua, you see. They need some type of remedy from the, the terrible persecutions, right? And the bitterness of a Golis. He's telling that to George Washington. Remember, he's just a soldier, right? What was the impression on Washington? Uh, the general got up and his face was shining. That's what this person reports. He got up and it was shining. What does that mean? Could you imagine the impression that he made on George Washington? At the moment, the darkest moment in Washington's life, when he's about to face the British, certain that they'll probably lose unless there was a nest. And here is this Jew in the middle of nowhere that's got this Hanukkah lights, right? And he's saying, a Jew from the nation of the Nevi'im, the prophets, don't worry, you will win. Not just for us, but for everybody. Because that's what God wants. So Washington's face was shining. So what did Washington do? <clears throat> he shook my hand and disappeared into the darkness. It's interesting what he did, you see. Now, my faith prevailed, the Jew writes. Washington's victory was complete. Guess what? He won. You should know that's a Ness. It's a Ness Niglo that the United States won. 
why, we will see. But right now, don't kid yourself. The fact that Washington won against an army which was far superior. I mean, think about that. Who are these people? They're just colonists. That's all they are. What do they have? A ragtag army. They wasn't even equipped. They won against much greater odds. Sounds like Hanukkah, doesn't it? With 10,000 Jews from the Maccabees won over battle-hardened soldiers of Greek. And there was 110,000 soldiers of Greece. Maybe there was 10,000 soldiers of the Maccabees. It was a Nisim. Of course it's Nisim. So therefore, he's saying, my faith prevailed. Washington's victory was complete. He won. The land was quiet. My general, he's referring to George Washington, became the first president of the United States, obviously. And I was one of its citizens. That's what the Jews writing. I soon forgot the terrible days and nights in Valley Forge. This is what he says. After a while, you forget about that. But I kept the memory of that first night of Hanukkah in my heart like a precious dream. Think about that, what it is. Here's George Washington, the commander-in-chief of the whole army fighting the British, right? And now he's the president. And he had this personal encounter with George Washington, the president of the United States. So it says that he kept the memory of this encounter, the first night of Hanukkah, in my heart like a precious dream. I did not relate it to anyone because I said to myself, who's going to believe me? Nobody's going to believe me that this happened. My personal encounter with George Washington on the most depressing night of the, of, of the whole battle, I was certain that the general, Washington, forgot it completely. Of course, this happened a long time ago, you see? But that was not the case. He didn't forget. How do we know? And now he continues the story. And this is what's incredible. This, again, was the first night of Hanukkah in 1776, 5,538. So it was a year later. Washington won the Battle of Valley Forge. On July 4th, 1776, was the Declaration of Independence, was the birthday of America. And they made Washington the president. So now, a year later, which is the next year, 1776, and the Jew writes, I was sitting in my apartment in New York on Broom Street. For those who remember the east side, there's Broom Street. <clears throat> and the Hanukkah candles were burning in my window because it's Hanukkah, and the Jew still had his menorah, and it was burning in the window. Suddenly, I heard a knock at my door, and somebody's knocking at the door. I opened the door and was shocked. My general, President George Washington, was standing in the doorway, there himself, in all his glory. Imagine that, it's a year later, a knock on the door, first night of Hanukkah, and all of a sudden he opens the door, and there's the President of the United States now, General George Washington. You see, what did Washington say? Behold, the wonderful candle, because he sees now, and that's why he came again. He remembered the date. He remembered the Jew. So he comes to New York on Broom Street, from wherever he was, 
And he's standing there, right, comes in, and he says, behold, the wonderful candle, right? And then he says, the candle of hope of the Jewish people. Amazing. This is the candle of hope. This tells you that this is not just on Hanukkah, which happened 2,200 years ago, but this light is the light of the Geula. This is what's going to happen in the future. And to show you, there's a light of a candle of Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah says. Who said that? George Washington. So he says, George Washington says, Behold the wonderful candle, the candle of hope of the Jewish people. This is Washington talking. He proclaimed joyously. Just imagine Washington saying that joyously when he saw the Hanukkah candles in my window. That's what Washington says. It's incredible. And then he continues, the Jew. He put his hand on my shoulder. George Washington, the President of the United States, put his hand on the shoulder of this Jew and said, this is a very important statement. This candle and your beautiful words ignited a light in my heart that night. Yes. That candle and what you said ignited a light in my heart that night. What's he saying? He says, because I felt terrible. I could see the darkness around me. All the people, like he said in the beginning of the article, you know, they were so angry at me because I'm fighting with the British under these circumstances, you see? But when you said what you said, right? That the candle and what you said, that you will win, definitely. Yes, sir, as he said before. It ignited a light in my heart. And obviously, he needed a light to be ignited in his heart that night. Who knows what type of despair George Washington was in, you see. So it comes out that the Jew enormously reinforced, as they say, he was mechazek, the amuna, the heart of George Washington. So George Washington continues, soon you will receive a medal of honor from the United States. That's what he's telling this guy. Soon you will receive a medal of honor for the United States from the United States of America, together with all the brave men of Valley Forge. But tonight, please accept this token from me. That's what Washington, t- Washington tells him. Accept this token. What is the token? He hung a golden medallion on my chest and shook my hand. Imagine takes a golden medallion, it's gold, and he puts it, hangs it around my head and puts it on my chest, and he shakes my hand. It says, tears filled my eyes, and I couldn't speak. The Jew says, I was absolutely overcome. By what? Not only the fact that what, of what it meant, uh, but that he remembered me, you see. But what I was crying wasn't that he only remembered me, right? But that he understood the meaning of what I said. And the, uh, besides that, that he understood the concept of the geula, the redemption. And what I said was correct. He was obviously so taken at my prophecy, so to speak, that he gave me this golden medallion. The president shook my hand again and departed. 
It's incredible. Now, I came to as from a wonderful dream. Like, it's hard to believe this just happened. Uh, then I looked at the medallion. He looks at it and saw, what did he see? An etching of a beautiful Hanukkah menorah. Yeah, it was a golden medallion that had a Hanukkah menorah on it. It's incredible. Under it was written, a token of gratitude for the light of your candle. And he signs it, George Washington. This is a true story. Incredible story, you know, when you think about that. But when you think about that, how do we interpret this story, really, you know? I mean, we're talking about the beginning or the founding of the United States of America, right? Um, what does it mean, Hashkofa-wise? Let's look from the perspective of the divine agenda, the divine plan. First of all, the prayer. The Jew prayed because the prayer of a Jew is incredible. We don't realize the power of the prayer of a Jew. That's number one. The second thing is that even Washington recognized that the Jews are from descendant from Nevi'im prophets. Uh, and therefore, when he asked them, what do you think will happen? And the Jew says, we will win. He recognized this is not a mere statement. That this person has a yichos, a lineage of Nevi'im. What does that mean? I believe at that moment in time, because of who he was, the Jew, and the tremendous merit of lighting a Hanukkah menorah in such a foreboding place, a place that is freezing, dark, no clothing, no shoes, who knows how much food, about to face a mortal enemy, and what he thinks about is to light a Hanukkah light? Well, think about that. Who would have done that? And he lit the Hanukkah light, and he made the brocha. I believe at that moment, this Jew was given Ruach HaKodesh. That the Roshim told him, you must tell him, yes, you must tell Washington what I will do. What I will do is I will give victory to the United States. You're the one who has to tell him, the Jew, because you now are able to because you are descended from the Viam. I believe in the schos of the Menorah, the Jew got Ruach HaKodesh for that instant in time. And since it was Ruach HaKodesh, that instilled a tremendous emunah in Washington, because that's what Ruach HaKodesh does. When somebody tells you something with Ruach HaKodesh, all of a sudden, there's something about that that clicks in your mind, and you believe it. You see, and because of that, Washington, President of the United States, had a metamorphosis. All of a sudden, he got a tremendous chizuk in Emunah, you see, that he would win. You see, it reinforced his faith. But what was really happening? What was really happening is very interesting. What's the meaning of this? Why did God perform a tremendous ness for America? Because America had to metamorphosize. 
into the Rosh of Esav, the evil of Esav, to the Tov of Esav, to the good part of Esav. Yes. But there was tremendous kitrugim, tremendous prosecutions, because the Sultan doesn't want that, right? And they, so therefore they're facing a formidable army. The Sultan cannot have that. He wants America to be under the British, because the British are really the Rosh of Esav. Yeah, think about what they've been doing. Conquering nations, making them subservient. You see, for what? How many people had to die because of the British? In fact, they're responsible for the whole problem of the Arabs because of the white paper, where they forbade Jews from coming into Israel in 1938. And therefore, they allowed Arabs to come in, and they created this terrible problem. So therefore, there's a tremendous kitchen prosecution not to have America win. But the Bunshim said, no. America is about to be transformed metamorphosized into the Toiv Shebeisov. And I need Washington to know that because he's the commander-in-chief. Who's going to tell him? The Jew, the Navi, the one who is a descendant of the Navim. He's the one that has to tell. Why? Because the Toiv Shebeisov is about to fulfill the prophecy of Rav Yahavoyt Soir. That the older will do what? He will assist. He will serve the younger. There you are. Because what America is now going to turn into a country that will be the ground of what? Of assisting the Jews to do the tikkun. So therefore, the one who tells them has to be who? It has to be a Jew. You see, that's why. And therefore, God says... I will pull off a tremendous nest. And now we understand something very important. What is that? That's why July 4th, 1776, which I had mentioned, is Yud Zion, Shiv Asabatamas, which is the beginning of the real Golis of Yerushalayim. But like it says, that La'asad Lovo in the future, Shiv Asabatamas and Tishabov will change into Toiv, into good. So it's amazing that July 4th, which I had mentioned, 1776, is Shiva Asabatamas. That's what we see, you see. But it's amazing. The one who had to machazik Washington is a Jew because the purpose of what God was about to do is for the Jews. It's amazing when you think about that. The hashgochen, the flaw, the unbelievable Hashgocha. But I want to tell you something very interesting that most people don't realize. It's not only the Jews have to be released from the Golas, that they need a redemption. There's somebody else that needs a redemption. Esau needs a redemption. You know, we don't realize. But really, when you think about that, the worst thing that Esau does when you think about that is that he is a Russia. That's terrible for Esau. It's not only the Jewish people, because it means in the end they don't get any, they get no Oilam Habo. So in the end, they are in Golis, not just the Jews. Do they realize that? Of course not. You see. So what the Rabbanishim is saying, that you Jew, you need to tell him that his Golis is also going to end.
Why? Because they will become a country that ultimately is the Toif of. They will save and help the Jews do the Tikkun. And ultimately, the schus, the merit of them doing that is going to get them an unbelievable chilek in Oilam Habo. Yes. That's really what the story is from the perspective of a divine plan. It's an amazing story, you see. Because it means that not only is the goalist of the Jew the beginning of the end, because America will become a land of freedom, and so on. Now, remember, America's not perfect. There's a lot that they have to do, but it's the beginning. The beginning of the overthrow of what? Of terrible injustice, and so on, of the world. Therefore, it's amazing that the Jew is the one who tells George Washington. And what's interesting is that somehow Washington knew that this Jew was right, you see? Because it says he walked away, right? Joyfully, shining. It hit him, you see? Who knows? That was a tremendous chesed that the Jew did for George Washington, that he lifted his spirits, you see? And that, of course, determines how you're going to fight, you see? Does anybody know of this contribution of the Jew at Valley Forge to the founding of America? Of course not. But you see from this story that the Jew himself is the one that told Washington the truth about what all this really means, you see. Now, also when you think about that, there's a lot of ideas that you see. Take a look at America, the Founding Fathers, as they call them. You know, you have George Washington, you have uh, John Adams, right? You have Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John, uh, James Madison, and, and so on. You see, the beginning people. When you think about that, the Russians sent out a tremendous shefa, a tremendous divine influence of Chochmah to make a document where America can be preserved. Why? We, we see from what they made, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. It's an unbelievable document. It's probably the greatest document of justice and righteousness of law and governing that the world has ever seen. Yeah, that's what it is. We don't recognize what it is, you see. Why? Because this is the Toif of. So the Rebbe made sure that these people, these people would be outstanding people, the founders, and they would make a document that is outstanding. Why? Because the Tov Shib Esav has to exist. It has to be preserved. You see? And many people marvel at the Constitution as a document of governance. Many people. You don't have that, that document anywhere else, basically. Because they had a tremendous sight of Dishmaya. Because America, as a Toiv Shabbat has to help the Jews do the Tikkun, which is the work of God. And therefore, they have to have a Kiyom. So God is going to send them the right Shlichem, as they say, the right messengers, that will create a document that in many ways is inspired almost divinely, you see. And not only that, the Bershom sends always America, what they need to have, you see. <clears throat> Not only did he send George Washington, 
who was a perfect individual that brought America into as, as, as far as being a country. But finally, America sins with slavery because even though they didn't buy the slave, even though they didn't uh, kidnap, but they bought the slaves. So it comes out that a half of America was Chayv Misa because it is Misa, death, to kidnap people and to keep them against their will as slaves. It doesn't make a difference if you kidnap or if you buy the slave. Because as long as this man is kidnapped, as long as he's in your possession as a kidnapped individual, you are Chayv Misa. But since America is a Tov of God has to correct that, you see. Because there's a Chayv Misa. There's a death sentence on America. Therefore, God sent the right guy. Who's the right guy? Abraham Lincoln. You see? Because the danger is that, of course, the South is going to want to maintain slavery because so much of their culture and economy was based on that. You see? Now, most presidents would have said, well, it was nice as long as it lasted, and they'll go their way. They'll secede from the Union, you know, and we'll go our way. That's all. It'll be two Americas, whatever. But the Bershom said, no. The Toiv of cannot split. I need all of them to assist the Jews. So that's what God did. The Hashgochah law, the unbelievable Hashgochah, made Abraham Lincoln the president. Now, if you read Lincoln's biography, he had no chance. Who was this guy? Some long, you know, uh, long-standing guy. You know, I think he was born in Kentucky, and he's practicing law. Hey, who is this guy? The man knew who he was. And all of a sudden, he becomes president of the United States. It's a mess. Why? Because he's the guy that the Bonsham said must preserve the Union. So God sent the right guy to preserve the Union. For two reasons. One is because that's the Tov Shebeisav, and I need them attacked. And the second reason, right, is not only that, but America needs a kapora. The Civil War killed over six or 700,000 people. That was the Misa. And, who, of course, the tremendous suffering and, of, of economy and everything else that goes together with the Civil War. And that was the kapora, you see? Why does God do that? Because he wants to preserve America. That is a very, very important idea, you see. <clears throat> now, we see this. Because, like I mentioned last week or the week before, or a couple of weeks ago, there's a Navua where it says that there are two nations within you. When Rivka goes to Shemba Eva and wants to find out what's going on inside of me, they're fighting. So Rivka goes to the Yeshiva of Shemba Eva. She's got to hear a Navua. What is this? So they tell her there are two great nations in you. Why? Because they both will do the Tikkun. Can't get greater than that. However, <clears throat> Right? It'll happen. But they will split. They will split. Means one will continue the tikkun, and the other will do the tikkun, but not in the way the other one does. Yaakov will do the tikkun, right? But the other one will also contribute to the tikkun by persecuting the, the, the younger one. And if he needs, if he does sins, 
and he needs a kapora, so Esav will do that. That's terrible. But that means Esav will do it as a Russia, because their intent in doing it isn't to bring a tikkun to Yaakov, uh, it's for their own service, their own good. But then it says, and the older one, right, one will always be greater than the other. They can never be equal. When Yaakov is high, right, then Esau will be low. And when Esau is high, Yaakov will be low. You see, they can never, because Esau can only rise when Yaakov sins. So Esau is high and Yaakov is low. But when Yaakov is high and doing the mitzvahs, then Esau is low. The clipper, the tumor of Esau is low because obviously he's not persecuting the Jews. You see, but in the end, Rav Yavoit Soya, this is the end, where the older will serve the younger. What does that mean? That means he will do tshuva, and he will now assist Yaakov in the right way to do the tikkun. And that is a nevuah of the end, which must happen, you see. And you also find it in other chazal, you see, that what, for instance, that Esau's head is lies at the foot of Yaakov in the Imoras HaMachpela, the cave of Machpela. Why? Because it is the body of Esau, the tumor, the taiva of Esau, that is impure, ericious, evil. But the head of Esau is pure. You see? That's one idea. Because how could a Russia be in the Imoras HaMachpela? Of course not. Because there's part of Esau that is good and will be resurrected as a good. A second idea is chazir. The Gemara says that the chazir, which is forbidden for the Jew to eat and represents Esau, right? That will one day be kosher. Imagine that. You see? Why? Because that's Esau doing tshuva, and therefore the chazir, which represents Esau, becomes kosher. And then there's a, a medrash in the Yalkut Ruveni, where God turns Esau's clothing Red, that's the punishment. So all of a sudden, Esau says, I cannot bear this, you see. So the Rebbe says, I hear. So what he does is he takes the garments of Esau and he turns it white. And white is always a symbol of what? Of purity, you see. <clears throat> Therefore, Esau will do tshuva. This is America as we know it. And Trump is the Toiv Esav, as I had mentioned many times. He's a Gilgal of when Esav was assisting Yaakov, as Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, which I had mentioned in the last year. We now understand very, very clearly a lot of remarkable ideas of, Amer of the Jews' contribution to America itself. But there's certain things you have to understand, which is very interesting. One of them is that as we approach the Geula, then the Golis becomes easier <laughs> for obvious reasons. <clears throat> because the Jews don't have the sins that require such a harsh Golis. I mean, take a look at the Golis, the exile of the Jews, when they were in Russia, in Europe, right? Under the Arabs and so on. It was terrible, right? They were tremendously brutalized, killed, butchered. Right? Or degraded in the Arab lands. In Europe, they were slaughtered with the pogroms, the crusades, 
right? The persecutions, right? The, the, uh, the uh, Holocaust, the Inquisition. But notice in America, and even in Europe, the Jews are not brutalized. The Jews now in America are what? They can lift their head with dignity. There's no shame anymore. You see, how do we understand that? Because this is one of the ideas that the Golis is beginning to end. It's not necessary for the Jews to have such a kapora, an atonement, where they have to suffer terribly in the exile. Therefore, the exile itself is easing. And that's, therefore, we see that America is the beginning of the end of the exile of the Jews. And it's not just in America, but it's also in Europe and even in Russia, you see, uh, under Putin and so on. And even in Europe, and even though there's a rise in anti-Semitism, but the Jews are not what they used to be hundreds of years ago when it was a threat to walk in the streets of Europe. In Russia, the pogroms, you see, that itself tells you that it's ending. Therefore, the Jews can now walk around with a tremendous amount of dignity, you see. <clears throat> now, God will not end America. You don't have to worry about uh, what's going on now, which really, in many ways, is really very interesting. <clears throat> Here's the problem. The problem is every once in a while, America slips. But since they have a tremendous mission, God has to give them an atonement. You see, what's the atonement? What's the kitrug? There's a tremendous prosecution. What does that mean? It means the sudden is dying, and he must prosecute. He has to stop the Tov Shebe'esav from doing what? From helping the Jews, you see. So he wants to destroy America. So therefore, what he is demanding and prosecuting is the destruction of America. Who is that? Basically, that's Joe Biden. Biden and all the radical left, the whole of his cronies and so on. I don't want to go into the whole thing, but clearly will destroy America. Because that's the din. That's the kitrug. Because America has become a very disgraced country, immoral, sexual perversion, which I had mentioned, a tremendous immorality, Tremendous immersion in materiality and so on, oh, especially the sexual perversion, right? The Chayv Misa. It's bad news for America because really they're the Tov Esav and the Sultan is demanding their destruction. But what he really wants is the end of the Tov Esav. Uh, that's why Biden and his crew, they will destroy the Tov Esav. There will be a tremendous uh, what do you call a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism? It's amazing during the Democratic Convention when they then they mentioned uh, and they left that under God because that's what they are. They hate religion. You see, so Biden and his cronies they want to destroy America with socialism. Then there's so many things, and I mentioned in the last year that the whole fact that Biden has such an enormous amount of votes is an incredible miracle because the Sultan is demanding the destruction, not of America, but of the Toiv Shebe'esav, the good part of America, which is the constitution, the justice of America, and so on. Uh, you see. But what the Barsham does, he, he must preserve the Toiv Shebe'esav. Therefore, God has taken that judgment 
and said, okay, I hear just judgment, but I will change the judgment. And I mentioned last time that there are different death equivalents, judgmental equivalents of death. One of them is poverty, you see. Then there's also death, sickness, but there's poverty. And there's also pachad mavas, which I had mentioned in the previous lectures. So guess what? That's COVID-19. It's what it is. COVID-19 is a replacement for what should have happened to America. When you look at Biden, you see, and his cronies, uh, that want to destroy not America only, but the Tov Shev uh, you see, that's really what should happen to them. However, God's replacement of that is that he allowed an equivalent judgment to take place. Death, suffering, poverty, which is a judicial equivalent of death, you see. And pachad mavas, fear of death, he has allowed a judicial equivalent replacing the death sentence. Who's the death sentence? Joe Biden. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not a campaign manager for Trump. Don't think that I'm saying this because uh, I'm his campaign manager or I'm an, on his payroll. I don't know who he is. I've never met him at all. You know, he never assigned me to do anything. My perspective isn't Trump. My perspective is Hashkofa. It is Hashkofa of the divine agenda. That's all. That's what I'm saying. I'm merely reporting what I see, what the facts are, you see? So the mere fact that I talk this way, don't think that I'm supporting Trump or against Biden because somehow I'm a Trump guy. No, I'm not. I mean, I happen to be a Trump guy, not because of Trump, although I do like the guy. I think he's doing a fabulous job. There's no question. I mean, there is a personal like of the girl and the guy because I recognize that America makes a fundamental error, right? It's not so much the character that determines the greatness of a president, it's the competence. Look what he's done. What he has done is the greatest, uh, he's probably the greatest president in American history, other than Washington and Lincoln, you see? You know, but, but for whatever reason, they hate Trump because of the Sutton is dying and he's influencing everybody to do that. So that's really what's happening, <coughs> you see? So we now understand what COVID is. COVID is a replacement of the real court, of the real judgment that the Sutton is demanding. Because the Sutton just doesn't want to destroy America. No. He just wants to turn America back into the Rajab Esav. You see? So they can persecute the Jews. And more important, not assist the Jews. That's really what he wants. You see? In any case, so what COVID-19 is a chesed. Yes. I realize it's a remarkable statement. It is a chesed. Why? Because it replaces the terrible consequence of Biden being a president. Because since he is cognitively challenged, he will be tremendously controlled by the radical left. We all know who they are, and so on. What's the chesed? Is that there has to be some type of, there will be death, although not a lot. Imagine the Spanish flu killed probably almost 100 million people. So there will be death. There will be tremendous suffering, hospitalizations, and so on. Then there will be pachad mavis. Everybody's afraid. And there will be poverty, which is a judicial equivalent. That's one of the judicial equivalents, is poverty. And we're seeing that wholesale, you see. Uh, and that, because God, in many ways, wants America. 
So he has replaced the death of America, turning back to the evil. He has replaced that with COVID-19. That's number one, you see, which is very important to understand. Now, what seems also to be true is that what the Russian wants to do is pay back the Democratic Party because they have destroyed America. Uh, I'm not even going to go through all the history of the Democratic Party, that they're the party of slavery, <coughs> you see, and, and so on. You just check up the history books and so on, how many bad things they've done, you see. But especially, you know, the Democratic Party has made America into an immoral country, sexual perversion, because of the terrible liberalism, you see, and progressiveness, and so on. Uh, so I believe what God wants to do is destroy them. So therefore, what the Bosham did is a second event, and that is, unfortunately, the tragic death of this guy, George Floyd. And what was that? Is all of a sudden, America went crazy. Now, it's one thing to, to have protests. That's fine. Of course, that's legally protected. But we're not watching a protest. We're watching people using the legitimate protest and so on to destroy America. Anarchy, Antifa, it's really what it is. Let's not kid ourselves. Looting, arson, rioting, what does it have to do with the protest? It's illegal, it's criminal. Uh, you see, why? And it's happening all over America <coughs> because I believe the Russian wants to destroy the Democratic Party by showing you that if he gets in, this is what America is going to look like, you see. So I feel that Trump will win and he will have both houses. Again, because the key idea is not Trump. The key idea is, does the Rebunishlam want the Tev Shebeisov? That's the idea. Don't focus on Trump or Biden. Those guys are just puppets. The key concept is a divine plan. You need to understand that. Uh, so the question you need to ask yourself is, forget about these people. God doesn't, is not interested in what America thinks. <clears throat> I once said a long time ago, the only vote that counts on November 3rd is God's. Everybody else is irrelevant. So the question you need to ask is, does God still want the Tev Shebeisov? That's the question. What do you think? Do you think he put America through such incredible miracles? America is the greatest country on earth. It's the greatest country probably that ever lived in terms of a nation of non-Jews. You see, that's what it is. The justice, the chesed, you see, the, 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 the righteousness, the fair play, nobody can compare to America, you see. Uh, so does God want to end the Tev Shebe'esov? That has to be your question. Right? And not only that, doesn't Klai Yisrael, the Jewish people, uh, need somebody like America, like Trump, to help it along? Look at what Trump did. He did what no other president did. Why? Because that's his job. He's the Tev Shebeisov. He doesn't know that. I wish I could tell him that. But he doesn't understand who he really is based on the messianic process. You see? Uh, that's really uh, what he's doing. What other president move the embassy to Jerusalem, declare Jerusalem as the capital, recognize the Golan? And not only that, we're watching something incredible, right? He's now bringing a peace to Yishmael. 
we know in the end Yishmael does tshuva also uh, because Yishmael did tshuva by the time of when? Yitzchak because Yishmael allowed Yitzchak to go first right in burying Avram Avinu in fact the Gemara says Yishmael did tshuva that's why you can have a Tana named of Yishmael you can't name somebody after a Russia uh, because Yishmael did tshuva we are witnessing the beginning of the end of the evil of Yishmael yes uh, yeah, it takes time but once the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, they're doing tshuva. Yeah, of course they have their ideas, what they want to get out of this and so on. But let me tell you something. Uh, they don't understand. They have been selected to begin the tshuva process of Yishmoel. And it's going to happen. Who is responsible for this? Donald Trump. No other president could have pulled this off. We know that. You see. So therefore God needs Trump. The good part of Esau, to continue that because Israel still has to get back the rest of Israel, the land of Israel. You see? And once they become friendly with the Arab nations, uh, then Israel will not have to divert all their money into the military because it's not necessary. Uh, you see? Because countries like Oman, Bahrain, hopefully Morocco, right, Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> that's the end of the Palestinian cause, which of course is absurd. Israel belongs to the Jews biblically, historically, and legally, which I once talked about, and so on. So their whole claim is absurd, you see. Uh, and that's beginning to end, you see. So the Russian wants Tevshe Be'esov to continue. Do you think for a minute he wants to end the Toiv Shebe'esav? Of course not. You see, uh, that's how you have to look at the upcoming elections. You see, <clears throat> and this is what we begin now to understand. There's also something else very interesting occurring. Uh, you see, what are the gifts of the Jews? What are they? It's called Tferis and Oiz. Tferis is beauty. And always is might. Yes, as it says in the morning chakras. You know, always is a big who girds all Israel with strength. And always is a and he crowns Israel with what? With beauty. What is Tiferes and Oiz that the Jews have? You see, well, Tiferes is beauty. Beauty is chokhmah. You see, it's wisdom. Always is might. But it doesn't mean only military might. It means the might of success. And that's what it says. It says in Tachnon, <clears throat> Remember the idea that when Esav is high, the Yaakov, the Jews are low? That means when Yaakov, and Ace, uh, when Yaakov is low, that means the Tferis and Oiz of Yaakov is given to Esav. That's what he has. And when Yaakov is high, then the first and always the beauty and the might, uh, the success and the wisdom remains with Yaakov, right? And it's taken away from Esau. That's the switch. That's the reciprocity, you see. Uh, guess what? Where is the first and always? Where is the incredible success and the wisdom? Where is it? Well, think about that. If you want to see the beauty of America, what city do you go to? New York, right? Sure. You ever walk down New York, Fifth Avenue, and all the avenues? 
New York is a showcase of America, of Esau to the world. It is the Hatzlocha, the unbelievable success, right, of materialism, wealth, power, sophisticated civilization, right? Where is the, the, the that's the, the might. Where is the wisdom, the colleges, you see? But think about that. What has happened? People tell me America, Manhattan is a ghost town. There's somebody there. People are moving out in droves, uh, right? What do you see? What, do, what does it mean? It means that the oiz is beginning to change. That means it's going to be transferred to the Jewish people. Yeah, that's what it means. It's hard to believe that this is what's happening to New York. New York, the great city of civilization, in many ways, is dying. You know, people are leaving in droves. Uh, it's a dangerous city. Of course God has his ways of doing it. COVID-19 or uh, the Antifa and the, and, the, and the anarchy that's taking place. And he put the right guy for that, right? De Blasio. I don't want to talk about de Blasio. I mean, it's just absurd, the guy. It's incredible to realize what this man is. He destroyed New York, and Cuomo is not far behind because he's the governor. He could have stopped de Blasio, right? And he knows that's the end of the tax base. You are watching the most sophisticated city on the planet dying. What does that mean? That means that the beauty and the might of America as displayed in a showcase called New York, is disappearing, you see? But if it disappears, then where does it go? Guess what? It goes to Yaakov. That's right. It goes to the Jewish people. That is one of the greatest signs of the redemption about to happen. And not only that, Harvard, MIT, they don't even have people on their campus. They're all home on Zoom, you see? Uh, and there's no question that knowledge suffers, but that's the Tiferes. You see, uh, what are we seeing? Is that it's now beginning to end here, or it's certainly it's, be, it's suspended, and now it's going, to the, it's going to go to the Jews. That is a sign of the redemption, you see. <clears throat> so we begin to realize that this is what's happening. And I want to tell you something which is important, just like we see that there had to be a metamorphosis of Esau from the evil of Esau, Russia, Europe, you see, there had to be a metamorphosis of Esau with the United States into the Teufship Esau. But guess what? There has to be a metamorphosis also of the Jewish people, which means that the era of Rav, those Jews that want to destroy the spirituality and the bond that the Jews have with God have to disappear. That's their metamorphosis. So if Esau had a metamorphosis, where he is now involved in much greater spirituality, and remember, one of the incredible things about America is not just their chesed, but they have allowed Jews to learn Torah, to do mitzvahs. We don't even begin to understand the merit of America because of what they allowed the Jews to do. You think this is mere... Well, it's chance, no. <clears throat> Ask yourself, why did Japan become the second greatest economy on earth? 
before China supplanted it. And even today, Japan is the third or the fourth greatest economy. Why? It doesn't have any natural resources. You know why? I'll tell you why. And this happened after World War II. Uh, because Japan allowed the Jews to survive when they ran away from uh, the Nazis in Machshimom, they ran to Japan, and Japan, who was in charge of Shanghai, did not kill the Jews. They allowed them to thrive and learn in the yeshiva, in the mere yeshiva in Shanghai. I said, guess what? The Malach of Japan comes in front of the Besden. He says, wait a minute. Where's my reward for my country? Where is the reward Japan has for supporting and sponsoring the Torah and allowing it to happen. We don't even realize the merit, you see. That's what he claimed. So God said, you're right. I will show you what I will do to Japan. And guess what? He makes Japan the second or third greatest economy on the planet. Why? Because of the merit of their Torah that they allowed the Jews to have. And because they allowed the Jews to survive, uh, the Jews came to Israel, and then they came to America, and now Torah flourishes because of Japan. So we are watching the reward of Japan. You see? This isn't an accident. How does a country that has no natural resources become the second or third greatest economy in the planet? Because that's the reward of allowing Jews to practice their Torah and to do their mitzvahs. Imagine if that's what Japan did, all right? What about America? You think God is going to destroy America with such an unbelievable achievement? You see? Of course not. This is what's happening. So we see many things happening, you see. Uh, but remember that what we're happening with COVID is because it's a replacement. And what's happening with the, the protests, the Antifa and so on, in many ways, is to destroy the Democratic Party, you see. But remember, there has to be a metamorphosis of the Jewish people. As long as the era of Rob is in power, right? And we know who they are. They can, the Jews will never do tshuva, and the Jews will never rise spiritually. But the redemption is where they must rise spiritually, you see. Once it starts... Redemption, it is unstoppable and irreversible, which is interesting. <clears throat> Who knows what this Rosh Hashanah will be, Tavshin Pei Aleph, you see. Because if all of this is true, then this Rosh Hashanah will be the greatest Rosh Hashanah we've ever seen, where God will decree that the redemption will begin. That doesn't mean the Mashiach will come where we see him, no. Because there are many precursors to the Mashiach actually coming, which I've mentioned, that the Jews have to be elevated. The consciousness has to be elevated, you see. And who knows, that may begin this Rosh Hashanah. Two and a half weeks. It's amazing when you think about that. And therefore, not only that, but it's not only the Jewish people that will have their redemption and complete the Tikkun, but Esav will have a redemption because part of him realizes that he became a Russia, and he wants to do tshuva, you see. But the truth is, the whole world is in exile. They're all dark, and many of them are evil, you see. So they also are in Gullus. Ah, so it's, many, it's very interesting. Just stand by and watch. We see many signs of the redemption.
And what it looks like is we are very close, far closer than what most of you think. So I hope I've given you certain clarity in terms of what's happening in America uh, with a beautiful story of George Washington uh, and the meaning of this story of the emergence of the Tevish of Esav, the good part of Esav. How a Jew contributed to that, which is amazing. And only a Jew can contribute that, because the whole point of Tevish of Esav is to help the Jews, right? To avoid the poets, as he says, in Europe and Poland, where the Jews will not be shamed anymore. I mean, the story has such unbelievable poetic beauty, it just, you, you wonder at this story of how incredible it is based on the divine agenda, you see. So, stand by and watch. As it says in the Chumash, stand by and watch that God will fight for us and God will certainly, ultimately, bring the redemption very, very soon. Thank you.